Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. New to the show? Let me break it down for you, nice and simple. My name's Matt McLaughlin. I am the creator and host of most episodes. On the show, I bring on friends and interview some very interesting guests. Here to talk sports, music, entertainment, and we're not going to leave anything off the table. We're here to bruise egos. My generation of common is him just being on Microsoft commercials. No running back should ever be in an MVP consideration. Eat up, bud! Eat up! We ask hard-hitting questions. Goodfellas are the godfather. This is dangerous work down here. Better guitarist with the name Jimmy. Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page. Are aliens real, yes or no? And have incredible moments that will leave you wondering. What the hell's going on out here? Thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the show. And good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever and whenever you may be listening to this. I am your host, Matt McLaughlin, here bringing on a co-host who went disappearing for a while after the Carson Wentz trade, uh, an avid Giants fan, but this time we're going to be talking about basketball, the one and only Connor Donahue. Connor, thank you for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Matthew. When I saw your text, when I saw Matt McLaughlin pop up on my phone, I was like, (laughs) oh, shit. Let's run it back. Let's run it back, boys. Let's go. Yeah, no. Uh, I haven't done pod. I haven't done a podcast in a minute, so you know. Thank God we're not doing the fucking Premier League podcast. Thank God. Well, I. To be fair, you made sense when you came on my talk show and talked about MLS. Oh yeah. I'll give you credit on that. That that was fine. The Premier League season in general, just, just chop that down. 38 weeks is just like, I'm ready to just blow my brains well, do, out. Well, do you, do, you, do you know who ended the season hot? Was it Tottenham? <laughs> they beat Leicester City 4-2 to, to make Let's sure go. they qualify for the team. Leicester did finish in seventh or uh, Tottenham, so they're pretty bad. But Wait, basketball. Did... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, we didn't do on the show, we, have, we didn't do a playoff preview or anything like that. So I feel like if we do predictions, it's kind of cheating. But is it, is it, it's only one game. I mean, it's one I game. Know. I don't know. But um, yeah, we could still do predictions and stuff like that. But we're just going to be reacting to uh, the first round, like the first game ones that have really taken place this past weekend. Um, and we'll start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and I want to start with uh, Miami versus Milwaukee because they're going to be playing tonight, 730. Um, in game one, Miami lost in overtime. Chris Middleton hit the game winner in overtime pretty much. Uh, Bucks got the win 109 to 107. Uh, one of the more exciting games this weekend. Miami has to change their jerseys, those gold jerseys. Did you see those? No, I no, I actually didn't. What, what type of jerseys? What gold? Jerseys? They're, they're the old, not old, they're um, like the alternate. Yeah, look it up. They're the old, alt, like not old. Wait, what? Old. That looks like that looks like someone pissed in a cup at a doctor's <laughs> office. <laughs> it's like, the drug test. It's the drug test. Yeah, Dude, like, it's so bad. The they look like the Pacers. I feel like I'm watching the Pacers. It, they wore these during. Oh my! All right. They oh wore my. them during the season, and Miami thought that was a good idea. I've never seen them wear that. Just if you're Miami, just do Miami Vice ones. They did that. They have the Vice ones, and they have those. It's like they're the earned edition ones. Oh, with, well, um, yeah, 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 no, the, screw that. <laughs> it's basically the participation trophy jerseys where it's like, hey, you made it to the playoffs. Um, and then they do – yeah, they did that, and it was it was terrible. Uh, they look like mustard. 
and they just blend in with the hardwood. Absolutely horrible. But uh, that's a whole separate rant for another day. Um, Miami, this felt like a game, in my opinion, that it was a must win right away. And it already feels like a backbreaker that they lost in overtime, in on the road, in Milwaukee. To me, I think just losing that type of game in heartbreaking fashion is already a backbreaker that can really derail this series. And Miami doesn't have anyone that can match up with Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and some of their taller guys down low. Bam Adebayo is a great center, but defensively, you're not Bam Adebayo, Precious Achua, and Trevor Reza are going to be really defending those four and five spots. That's not going to really help at all. And Giannis was just feasting down low. And I'm surprised it was really this close. Duncan Robinson was balling. He looked like Tyler Hero uh, in last year's playoff bubble, which was nuts. Uh, but Connor, what was your reaction to this game and what were some of your takeaways from this? Uh, well, that was so weird. Audio just started playing on my laptop and I didn't hear it, but it was, it was, it, it was kind of weird. Cause as you talked about the, the interior and the superior way that the Bucks played, the Bucks made 15 less outside shots than the heat. That was the stat that I just saw before my laptop decided to crap out uh so i again i didn't really watch this game uh when how obviously dare you, you as how, a, as an as an expert analyst how dare you not consume the nba 24 7 yeah i know i i'm a i'm a bad person i'm i'm aware <laughs> of that all right where's the stat here it is the bucks made 15 fewer three-pointers yeah then then the heat and miami and so if you're good at the multiples uh, that's 45 more points from the outside that Miami scored compared to Milwaukee, and somehow Miami lost. That's How are, insane. Are you, you can't be that bad. on. I understand it's Giannis, and I understand it's Brooke Lopez, but if you want to compete in the playoffs, you can't be that bad in the interior because sometimes it is those games where it's not the flashy shooters that we're used to seeing that dominate. It is those hard get-to-the-basket, get-to-the-rim, type of games and just if you're Miami you just got to find something I also think like it's it is a recipe for success for the heat if they're as successful shooting from the outside as the heat uh as they were but like your your defensive interior has to be better if you even want a chance in this series and I think that comes from honestly I don't know who that comes from and I I I think the Bucs might have a kind of an easy time in the series if they keep doing that. When they come up against like a Joel Embiid or someone like that, they're going to struggle. But man, not a good look for Miami. No, not not a good look. And it, it showed not just in the shooting stats, but in the rebounding stats as well. Miami got out-rebounded by 13 rebounds, which is insane. And when you're playing a team like Milwaukee, Giannis, Drew Holiday has been a huge difference maker. He scored 20 points. Uh, in the win those type of guys on the perimeter especially when you add in a DiVincenzo who can get hot a Chris Middleton who is has been very consistent for the last few years uh, not so much in the playoffs but now I think with the addition of Drew Holiday he's been much more consistent much more relaxed uh, if you're Miami you have to limit those second chance opportunities especially when Giannis can just throw it down on pretty much anyone that you throw in that front court that is so dangerous and that is immediately a disaster they i think losing jay crowder has been a huge loss for this team not having that veteran experience 
they really didn't do anything to fortify outside of drafting Precious Achua. They didn't really do anything to fortify that front court and really shore up that back, that interior defense, like you were talking about. And even with my uh, Milwaukee struggling from the outside, they shot 16% from the outside. That's unheard of in, in the NBA. But that's, that's, that's also terrifying though, because you're not going to, the, the Bucks are not going to shoot 16% again. Exactly. So if they dominate on the inside like they did and shoot even 30 or even 25%, like Miami, screw it. Just put a body. It's it's like we learned it when we we're learning basketball surgery. Just put a body on a guy. Just, yeah. If you put in more effort, you might not be bigger than him, but you're definitely going to limit the opportunities like you were talking about. Exactly. And then that's just going to lead to more transition opportunities for Duncan Robinson to get a corner three or Tyler Hero to get open on the wing or something like that. And that can really generate more offense for you. Um, and it was just like, it just blew my mind because – I feel like Miami was the scariest team coming into the playoffs. And in my opinion, they were. I'm not really terrified of Washington, to be quite honest. Boston's had a disappointing season. Miami was that team. It was like they looked like they were finally rolling and getting going. And it was like, oh, is Miami going to be the team that really bites Milwaukee again? And, um, you know, Milwaukee loses again in the first round or something like that. It just doesn't look like that. This is – Milwaukee clearly knows what they're doing in establishing the interior and then working from the inside out. And Miami just doesn't have an answer for that. And Jimmy Butler can't keep pulling off heroics. This isn't the bubble anymore. Now you have fans back in the arena. Now you're really playing on true road games and really playing against a team that is doing anything it takes to get a championship or get close to a championship because they know their window's tight. That's just the the only other explanation is that Miami doesn't have an answer and I think this is where you're going to see Miami get bounced out and maybe next year in the offseason Pat Riley makes some wild trade and losing Victor Oladipo is I think a huge loss that's magnified with this they don't have that really third scoring option if you want to put Adebayo in that second slot maybe and like that's the thing is with Miami is like Jimmy Butler's the guy the catalyst number one he facilitates the offense gets it going but Outside of that, Adebayo's there, but he's been inconsistent with his aggressiveness. Duncan Robinson has been v- pretty good, but a little streaky, and same thing with Tyler Hero. It just feels like they don't have a hierarchy of scoring that can really be like, all right, when the going gets tough, outside of Jimmy, we need someone else to establish our scoring. We need someone to get the ball to. And they just don't have that, in my opinion. Am I wrong? Am I, am I right? No, no, I, I think you're 100% right. And I like the point of you mentioning that this isn't a bubble anymore because a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, well, you saw what Miami did last year. That's a different environment. Yeah. It's a different circumstance. You're not traveling. And why does this keep happening? I'm so sorry. I guess God. I have ESPN open and the automatic fire uh... keeps playing in my headphones. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, li- I like what you're saying about uh, – uh, about it not being the bubble and it's a different atmosphere and yeah with losing Victor Oladipo not having that secondary scoring option I guess you can say Bam Adebayo like you said but like he's not really I don't know I don't see him as like a high volume scorer yeah. obviously if you get I think like in this series I don't think it's going to be a sweep I think you will see a mm-hmm. game where like Tyler Hero gets hot Duncan Robinson gets hot uh, and Miami puts up a fighting chance but it, it doesn't look very Likely. And also another stat out of the game, which I just saw. Giannis was 0 for 14 from 
mid from outside of the paint, basically. Jesus Christ. If he makes half of those shots. Yeah. If he makes three of those, even not even half, just three. That 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 easily has been wonky rolling even more on offense. And it's that's the scary part about this game, just coming off of game one is this is just the, the scratch. Like, this is the surface. This is not even – this is them at their worst probably. So, God knows what this series is going to look like, you know, when Milwaukee's hitting threes, they're locking down defensively and all that type of stuff. What is Miami going to do then? And we're going to see tonight. We're recording uh, on Monday. We'll probably post this the same day. Um, just a couple of hours away from tip-off. And we're going to see. I Prediction for game two, my prediction is that Milwaukee – takes it again. I don't think it'll be as close. I think Milwaukee wins by 10 to 15 points and Giannis gets his shot right. And he goes off for another 30, 10 and 10, probably. Yeah. I would, I would also give the advantage to Milwaukee. I feel like the heat are going to adjust to the interior game in some capacity. I just, again, I think it's simple effort and not simple effort, but like effort putting a body on a guy and just playing physical and trying to, do what you can to limit uh, Milwaukee's big men. But then also you look at the way Milwaukee shot, they're not going to shoot that bad again. No, no. So I, so I think even despite the adjustments, I think Milwaukee wins 10, 15. Sure. I could say that I could see like maybe like a seven, eight point victory, something close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause again, it is Miami. They do battle a lot, uh, but I'm going to give it to Milwaukee. All right. So let's hop on over another Eastern conference game. Um, Brooklyn and Boston. First time that. Do you, know a, do you know I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan? Yeah, which doesn't make any sense to me because aren't you a Yankees and a Rangers fan? Well, so the thing was growing up when they played in Jersey, uh, yeah. I, I live about 15, 20 minutes away from uh, which was the Continental Airlines Arena and then became the oh. And my aunt used to work for the team. So I used to go to games. Oh, okay. When I was a kid. Uh, and then naturally they moved to Brooklyn and I kind of became disinterested in the team, uh, because Darren Williams hitting Darren, Darren Williams, Devin (laughs) Harris, well, Devin Harris was actually, yeah, it was Darren Williams. And then it was the the trade with the Celtics. And then it was really hard. It was, yeah, it was hard to even find an ounce to care about the team. Uh, and then the D'Angelo Russell trade came in and then the, the magical season, uh, what was it? Two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. set us up for the free agency that we had uh yeah and then so, it was the, the strange departure of kenny atkinson which felt like came out of nowhere and just didn't I, make yeah, any sense no it did i uh, again this happened so many months ago uh yeah wh- whether steve nash is the right guy or not is still yet to be seen i you know with the talented roster like his i don't think he could really screw it up that much but kenny atkinson was always bought in to be a developmental coach he was always mm-hmm. brought in to coach the young Nets when you had Levert and Russell and Dinwiddie and and Jared Allen and there's so many of these players that you talk about even the even the bench guys that became something like Timothée Leroux Cabarrot and players like that he was there to develop them and that was yeah. always the question was when the Nets are ready to make that, that set, next step when they have that cap space would Atkinson be the guy and I think a big question was his in-game coaching ability because it was lackluster. And you also saw it in the playoffs when they played the Sixers uh, two years ago, the Jared, the Jared Dudley series. The Jared well. Dudley, Ben Simmons beef. 
Oh, Jared Dudley gosh. needs to keep his fucking mouth shut. I hate when I see it. I <laughs> hate seeing. I hate seeing Jared Dudley offers his thoughts on Ben Simmons' half court presence. I'm like, this bum plays three minutes a fucking game, if that. Like, how? What is? What is he gonna say? I know I'm saying this in like a sleep, a cut off hoodie sweatshirt. I look <laughs> like a total two- douchebag right now for anyone who's listening. Two years after it's a series that. Yes, this is what Philly fans do. We store this and hold a grudge for the rest of our lives. And then it's like this past year, it's like Jared Dudley releases a book on bubble stories with the Lakers. It's like, yeah, because he had nothing else to do because he wasn't getting any playing time other than what, a blowout against the Heat or something like that? But anyway, that's my old Jared Dudley spiel. If you're a Nets fan and you don't look back at that series, even the fact they lost in five games with a smile, then you just don't love life. Because the the (laughs) image of... Uh, of Jared Dudley. Oh my God! At, at the end of the court, and Ben Simmons and the Barkley Center going crazy, and Dudley with his hands out, just like, "Come on, bring it on!" After he made a three, that come on, that was just like, because that Nets team was so, so scrappy and so young. Yeah. It was so, and it, that was like, that was like the epitome of the season. They also came back from like forty in Sacramento, which was also a cool game. But <laughs> like, but that moment right there, even though it was a series that was lost, I think most of that fans remember that series fondly. Uh, but this series, yeah, uh, Celtics. Yes. Uh, so Brooklyn won. It was a surprisingly close game. The big three struggled in this one, which was offense got off to early early on yeah yeah yeah. early on and then kd was just like oh wait we're playing a game now oh okay let me just drill every shot in the second half pretty much he was like all right oh now we're now we're rolling the balls out all right let's go all right guys let's wrap this up i'm trying to trying to head over to whatever whatever club or restaurant he was probably planning to go to after um i'll pass it over to you first as a brooklyn fan um and yeah i i hate boston i don't want i Seeing the Sixers play against the Nets is going to be fun because it's like, if we're going to get to the finals, why not it be against our toughest competition? Uh, but I'll let you go first and just kind of give your thoughts on this game and uh, what are your thoughts moving forward about the series? Well, I, I again, sadly, this is not a game I was able to watch. I was actually God damn it, God. I, I, I was out at Pimani Bruce uh, in Harrisburg with some of my friends when, when this game was going on. So I was watching it uh, kind of through the corner of my eye and I was looking and I was just like, man, how are they losing to the South? Not saying the Celtics are a bad team, but yeah, they're not. Not what not we, we not what we thought they were going to be going into this season. Yeah, exactly. And I find it hilarious that it's now the Nets in the better position than the Celtics after the Nets. Oh my God! Have you seen? Have you seen that? Um, there's a. I think it's on ESPN Instagram. It's like the 2015 season standings, and it's like the bottom three are like Knicks. Yeah uh sixers nets or whatever and then it's like 2020 is like they're all the top three four teams in the east which is wild yeah no yeah i've seen that before and i think it's really cool that you see these teams that have come up especially the i i like the nets this was expected the sixers that this was expected even as a nets fan it's cool to see what the knicks have done but we'll get into that uh but yeah i was i was kind of looking at this i was like why is it why is this a close game like jason tatum's obviously gonna do jason tatum things but like Mm. outside of him like is there anything that really scares you on that celtics team if you're the nets you you know they're gonna struggle defensively to see them struggle like they did offensively in the first half was a little concerning but then you also got to remember that this this lineup has played together not even not even 10 times i don't know the exact i think it was like six games they six or seven games they're like 
I want to say it was like six to eight games and they're like six and two in those or five and two, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the big three with like Griffin and, and Harris, which is usually the, probably the preferable starting five for Steve Nash. uh, Mm -hmm. They just haven't, they haven't played together that much. So to kind of see that struggling chemistry come out of the gate in a playoff series against let's hand it to the Celtics. They're an experienced playoff team. The Nets, uh, they have experience, but they're not experienced when it comes to the chemistry and playing cohesively in a unit and that type of rhythm and pace that a, that a playoff game usually has. So I wasn't necessarily too shocked to see them kind of struggle. Uh, and I wasn't shocked to see them come out of it. And as you said, the big three combining for 82 points in the game, like that's what the Nets are going to need in order to be successful. And I just who's who's gonna out once the Nets get going like they did in the second half, who especially the Celtics are gonna outscore the Nets? They're just so incredibly dynamic and good offensively. Defensively, they are absolute garbage. But <laughs> you know, just score more the opposition. That's the way they're they're rocking and rolling. Uh, and yeah, I think this was a good win for Brooklyn. I think this series is gonna be relatively easy. Uh, I can see the Celtics taking a game because Brooklyn usually isn't the most uh not coherent isn't usually the most consistent team Mm -hmm. but uh yeah as a nets fan i feel confident uh even if they lost this game i still feel confident in this team and their ability to score uh, i mean as as you should as you should this big three like i like i mentioned hasn't played together at all and that's been the biggest storyline coming into the playoffs is that how are they going to play well if they haven't played together less than 10 games worth and we saw that early Brooklyn was 0 for 9 from three-point range in the first half the big three were combined three for 21 from the field in the first half and like I said KD was just like oh we're fucking playing now okay let me just let me just get over to my baseline jumper let me get over to a little fadeaway turnaround and just swish that effortlessly it's like watching it's like watching an like an all-star game when you watch these Nets play sometimes like I, it was I was the final game of the season, uh, the regular season. Did you see the like the rebound, the behind the back from? Oh Griffin my god, the, the Harlem the Globetrotter sequence. This, this Nets team is is stupidly insane, it, it, and once they get on fire and cohesive like they were in the second half of this game, again, who's gonna stop them? Let alone the poor Celtics. Not <laughs> poor Celtics. I don't care about the Celtics. I, Robert I don't Williams, like Celtics. Time Lord, was giving the Nets a trouble, some trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. I just again, as as I said before, the Nets, they're just so good. Yeah, I, they're it, they're incredibly talented. Tatum, Tatum is just like I went back and watched um a rebroadcast of this. Thank thank you to ESPN Plus. Um, I just every I watched this game and I was just like, Tate, if Tatum had depth around him, if he had, even if they had Jalen Brown in that game, wasn't it, wasn't Tatum injured? No, that and, was Jalen Brown, right? Yeah, Jalen Brown was injured, um, suffered a, a tear in his, his shooting hand wrist. Um, it was like a torn ligament or something like that. Um, so that ended his season early. And I'm just looking at this guy and just like, I, as much as I hate to admit it, he's unguardable. He's just one of those rare talents that he was giving KD problems. He can lose Kyrie or Harden off of screens. He can shake KD with a sidestep jumper. Blake Griffin can't keep up with his speed or agility or blow by acceleration. So who are you going to guard him with? The problem is just that Boston doesn't have, like you mentioned, any scoring depth around him to really 
take the load off of them. It's kind of like Kobe when Shaq left and there was those middling years until Phil Jackson just like came back into the fold and took them to the finals in 2008. I, I was going to say, I kind of see parallels between the heat and the, in the Celtics in the way that it's literally Butler and Tatum yeah, and then nothing else. And also the same way the series or the first game of the series played out where the Bucks did not play their best and still won. And the Nets did not play their best and still won. So yeah. I just, you, you look at, as you were saying, you look at Boston, just no scoring depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to last long against Brooklyn. I no. don't think any team is except. And and if you want, if you want any reason to watch the series, just watch Robert Williams get like almost 10 blocks, nine blocks in that game. Most by Celtics since 1983. Yeah, Nuts. I, that, Nuts. Yeah. Yeah, congrats. Uh, <laughs> the Nets won. <laughs> like I, I the the thing when you're playing the Nets, it, you're gonna dominate the interior. That's something yeah. that's known because you do have Griffin, you do have uh, DeAndre Jordan, but like you don't have that true interior defender. That's something the Nets have always been missing. That and this and a really good stretch four, uh, which again, like Durant has played there, and like you have Harris, who's still Joe Harris. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but if, if you're playing the Nets, you have to attack down low. You have to attack in the paint because that's where you're going to win. You're going to out-rebound them. You're going to out-defend them. You're going you're gonna to do everything right except outscore them, which, <laughs> makes it, which makes it really difficult to win basketball games. So if, exactly. I'm, the, if I'm the Celtics, you just got to – every time, you don't be, don't be trying – you can't be trying to race the Nets when it comes to shooting. No. Who are you bringing to the track? Like, if, if you're if you're running a race, Nets have KD, Harden, and Kyrie. You're bringing Tatum, maybe Kemba, Tristan Thompson, Marcus Smart. Like, like who else? I, I, yeah, I think like someone like Tristan Thompson is going to be a really big factor in this series. If if the Celtics want to be successful again, do I think they're going to be successful? No, no, I, but. I, I agree. This is going to be a pretty short series. Um, So they play again tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Um, Brooklyn wins. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, If there's any Jason Tatum prop bets, I haven't looked. There's any Jason Tatum point total prop bets. Just hit the over. That's my advice right now. He's not injured right now. Just hit the over. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I see this series maybe going five, six, Mm. maybe if the Nets shoot themselves in the foot, but like, dude, you got three. The Nets got three prime time playoff performing ballers on their t- on their side. And if this was the bubble, I think this would be a different story because, as you mentioned, it was very interesting and it was kind of cool to see how these teams, like the Jamal Murrays and the Jimmy Butlers last year, were mm-hmm. able to take over the playoffs. But yeah, no, I say the series ends in five easy for brooklyn yeah and they move i on. think boston may steal one at home just because of that home crowd but other than that i i think brooklyn's brooklyn's just going to get more reps with each other so they're only going to get better i think at this point yeah that yeah that's that's that is kind of the terrifying thing for the eastern conferences the nets are just going to keep getting better and better and better and again yeah, there's, there's just no answer to it unless you're the philadelphia 76ers segway um oh that was great that was prime nah, see if you come here for the best segues like paul um, barton mall cop baby hey of course um not kevin james in the sean payton movie <laughs> um 
Did you hear about that? No. Kevin James is playing Sean Payton in a movie about Sean Payton uh, coaching his kid's high school team during the when he got caught with the uh, like the what was the one what was the scandal Bounty Gate? Oh yes. The season he was suspended and like went to coach his kid's like high school team or whatever, and they won like a championship. That's Kevin James is gonna be Sean Payton. That's an interesting movie. Kevin James is Sean Payton. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, go off Hollywood, but like, uh, it's it's Hollywood. Um, but anyway, Sixers uh, beat the Wizards in Game One. It was a tighter than I would like. That's what she said. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but I'm sh- best jokes, best jokes here. Uh, Joel Embiid dropped thirty points while basically sitting out a half because. The re- this was one. This was probably the worst officiating I've ever seen. And I, I'm not trying to play the oh the referees are trying to screw the Sixers out of advancing or trying to win or whatever. I'm not trying to play that card, but it genuinely felt like this was some of the worst officiating I've ever seen. Like NFL caliber officiating, where it was just like even I could see that not being a foul or just some of the dumbest calls missed travels. There was a stretch where the wizards traveled like three to four times in a row and the refs see, didn't call it. See Wait. this, this was another game I didn't watch, uh, but there was, I did see the one play towards the end of the game where Westbrook had the ball and he, and I it, like I, the wizard had a chance to make it close with not that much time left. Mm-hmm. And they said yeah. he stepped out of bounds. Did not. He did not. Step yes, out. he did. Yes, he did. I believe did he? that he did. No, I saw I saw that his foot was up and his heel was up over the line, but he did not touch the out of bounds. They were looking at like the midsole. Like to me, it looked like the midsole caught like the front of the line. Okay. That's, Again, I, I didn't I didn't look at I didn't look at it that closely. Yeah, no, I no, could, no. And that, that's all that's all House of Highlights will push. It's just like Wizards trolling Joel Embiid. Russell Westbrook puts up another triple double. Like that's all they fucking post. That's all they do. Yeah, I, I I mean, like again, you look at the Wizards, like come on you're not no. going to beat the sixers i don't no. think i i think again i we've talked about it we've mentioned it kind of in passing like it's the nets and sixers in this in this conference Maybe especially when T- tobias harris is dropping 30 and a half like that's yeah, nuts I get, yeah it can't it, it, see that's what makes the sixers such a scary uh matchup for like anyone in in the east and mm-hmm. the west too anyone in the nba excuse me voice crack uh <laughs> is you have Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, these two dominant big men, and not NBA teams aren't built like that anymore. To, to the way the Sixers are built. Uh when it came when it came to the Wizards, like Westbrook is going to do Westbrook things. Yes. Again, another one dimensional team. All these teams that we're talking about that are down and, and out in these series are so one dimensional when it comes in their scoring. Uh one one thing I was looking at before this looking up research because uh, was that the Wizards, uh, they really struggled shooting in this game. Yeah. Uh, and if you want a chance to, to beat the Sixers, you're going to need to diversify the offense and diversify where you're shooting the ball from. Uh, so the suggestion that I saw was that they need to start someone like uh, Davis Bertans. Yes. Uh, Ber- Bertans? Is it Bertans? Bertans? I think it's Bertans. Bertans. Uh, he was a plus nine in the 28 minutes that he played on the floor with the Wizards. He was splashing transition threes. Like, it, it was terrifying. It was also when Joel Embiid wasn't playing, so you have to remember that. But, like, if you're the Wizards, you need to take – you can't be playing safe basketball. 
Like no. you, you, you have to get creative here. If you want to even take a game, I, I think the Sixers sweep this series. They are just so incredibly good. Uh, but you, again, I don't, I, you just need something else. The wizards need yeah. something else. And they have that in someone like Bertans. Westbrook is going to do Westbrook things. Uh, you know, you got Hachimura who's going to do his best he can down low, but like, come on, you're not going to, you're not going to be successful. So uh, obviously you're the Sixers fan when you were watching this game, like was the confidence, but I can, I, it was, it was, was a roller coaster. Cur- there was a lot of cursing. There was a lot of disappointment, but like the same way I said about the Nets was like, yes, they're struggling, but I still feel confident in this team and their ability to go far in the playoff. Like, does this game change anything for you? This seeing the Sixers come together in spite of horrid officiating, Joel Embiid sitting out basically a whole half, Seth Curry actually leaving the game for a stretch because he got, I think, a nut tap, a little love tap from, um, I think it was Neto. Uh, and then to buy, and the Ben was Ben was picking up some fouls and being a little bit too aggressive for once. Uh, there was a t- there was a moment where I was like, holy fuck, the Sixers are going to lose game one, and then this is going to lead to an avalanche, and they're going to lose somehow in the first round. It's going to be a colossal failure. But seeing Tobias Harris pick up the slack, Dwight Howard was getting rebounds and really looked like prime Dwight Howard in Orlando and getting in ones, not necessarily converting the free throws. We can work on that, him and Ben Simmons, or whatever. Um just seeing them handle that adversity, Danny Green eventually started getting going, splashing threes. That to me gave me more confidence because like Doc Rivers is just such a huge difference, such a huge difference compared to Brett Brown. If that was Brent Brown on the bench, I I've heard great things about Brent Brown as a guy. I'm sure he's great. Sure. He's a nice guy, but if that's Brent Brown, the Sixers offense sputters, they don't, they don't get points for like two to five minute stretches and then all of a sudden the Wizards capitalize on that momentum. Joel Embiid starts throwing his hands up. Ben Simmons looks out of it, and they just don't look invested. With Doc Rivers, this team looks like a team. And to see them handle that adversity as a first test in the postseason shows me that they want to win so badly that they're not going to get in their own heads. They know how to handle the pressure, and they know that they are better than the Wizards and that they're going to handle whatever comes their way. And that's what gave me great confidence. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, yeah, that is a Philadelphia sports thing. The mentality of always being like, ah, shit, it's, it's over. We're, it's we're over. Far. We're done. We're yeah, done. We're Fuck like, it. Why watch the rest of this game? But yeah, like we screwed something up like that mentality. And yeah, it, it does give a lot of confidence. It, it would to me as a fan as well uh, to say, hey, like we, we did this. In, against this adversity, adversity, even when people were probably sitting at home screaming at their TV saying, oh, all right, oh I, I was 100%. I was like yelling, running around, just losing my shit. Like already going through the roster, looking at salaries and being like, who can you trade? <laughs> like, I, I, like, tweeted, I tweeted out, I was like, no matter what happens, the Sixers cannot let Curry and Green walk away like J.J. Redick did. But yeah, Curry, a- yeah, Seth Curry, man, he's a hell of a player. I, I, I mean, like, I don't think it was ever – a doubt that Seth Curry was at least a good shooter, but his addition to that team and I, it's it's it, I, again I I'm not a, as you probably noticed I'm not the biggest basketball guy, <laughs> yeah. But seeing what the Sixers have done this year and their ability to claim the first seed, even when they struggled during the season, yeah, uh, a, a lot. Some of that did have to do with the Nets sputtering 
uh, its specific parts of the season. But uh, yeah, I'd, it, I, if I were you, I'd have confidence in this Philly team to go uh, pretty far. Yeah, and I think and Ben Simmons' stat line was no matter how many times people hate him for not putting up point totals, this motherfucker put up six points, 15 rebounds, and 15 assists with only two turnovers. Oh, two. He, was a, he was a lockdown defender, too, in the game. He, 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 had, a, he had a Bradley Beal team. was one for six from three-point range. You that's can't get much better than that. That's what I'm saying, that it, it was – it, it was it was it was very good for Ben. I'm one of those people that uh, it, that not the biggest Ben Simmons fan uh, because I, I think that you should, as an NBA point guard, be able to score. I, lazy take, sure, but that's just something. <laughs> that's just something. I, that's just I, something I understand. Crazy. I understand why, but I personally, this is a guy that is all defensive first team uh, caliber player. Defensive player of the year caliber should be yeah. defensive player of the year over Rudy Gobert. Um, and he has the IQ of LeBron and the athleticism of like, uh, of like Oscar Robertson. Like it just, I, I, I think, I think a lot of the frustration with Ben Simmons is not what he is. It's what he sh- can be. Yeah, if exactly. He was, yeah. So I, again, also, yeah, this, the Sixers team is just so, good defensively with Embiid with Daryl Morey finally gave them some shooters and now everything's flowing everything's working great and now the offense can get going and the defense is just locked down so yeah, overall I, I'm happy I think they win again uh they play I believe it's on Wednesday night um I think they win again and I think it's a sweep yeah I I, I don't want to say it's a sweep because I believe in the basketball gods and I'm not trying to Put out I think it's a sweep. I think it's a massive sweep in well, favor no, of the I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think uh, it'll be. I'll I think it'll, I think it'll be five because I think when they go to Washington, Russ is going to feed off the home crowd if there is any, um, and I think Bradley Beal is going to start catching fire again, and I think they'll steal one, but oh, I think it'll be five games. It should be light work. Yeah, no, I, I I see the Sixers like the the Nets are inconsistent, and it's easy to be inconsistent with shooting. Yeah, to be inconsistent defensively is something that you usually don't see with teams. So I do think it's a sweep. Also, shout out Matisse Thybul, absolutely yes. loved him in the bubble, watching him play and his the way he plays defense, quickly becoming one of my non one of my favorite players in the NBA to watch. Uh, so shout out Matisse Thybul. Of course, he's going to be listening because who wouldn't be? Of course, why wouldn't he? Um, yeah, so you're also predicting uh, Sixers to win as a sweep. You're predicting yeah, a sweep. Yeah, I, I'm saying Sixers. I'm saying Sixers in four. I just think that, like, again, you could be you could be inconsistent when it comes to yeah. shooting defense. It's harder to be inconsistent, and when you have a team built the way the Sixers do, I don't see the Wizards standing a chance. Okay. Um, so Western Conference, top of the or no oh, Eastern Conference? No. no, 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 no. Never mind, never mind, never this, mind, never mind. This was the jump game the of gun, the first. Jump the gun, the... jump the gun, and um, so yeah, game Atlanta the first round. Atlanta at East. yeah, Atlanta at New York. This was one of the best games of the weekend. Uh, Atlanta wins. Who else wins the game but Trey Young? Um, and if you haven't listened to me talk about Trey Young before, um, <laughs> there is a YouTube video on the podcast official YouTube page, just look up the black and blue pod where I say Trey young is a glorified Mike Conley. Now 
it is important uh, to know to and, that and editor's note editor's note that was before the Nate McMillan hire that was recorded before the Nate McMillan hire and st- that that was before Trey Young pro- actually pro- proved I guess that's a word it's um, a bad take Matt just it's just a bad take it, I agree I agree take. I'm just saying context matters context matters that was before the McMillan hire and they ca- caught fire context does matter Trey Young proved me wrong here He's clearly the franchise guy now. I rescind that take. I don't – I obviously think that Trey Young now can really be a guy that changes the course of this franchise. And it just – it to me, leading up to this playoffs, it felt like Trey Young was a guy that could get empty stats and the Hawks weren't really going anywhere. But now they're winning. They're playing defense. And they won in one of the toughest environments to win in, Madison Square Garden, which was rocking last night. And overall, I'm impressed. He silenced me. I take it back. I'm willing to I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. And overall, impressed by this Atlanta win. Um, and just a, it was great to see Madison Square Garden actually electric again. Yeah, I uh, both both these teams are so young and they're so fun. Uh, I remember going back to Trey Young and just seeing his ability. I remember I got into an argument with one of my friends, and he said he said he'd rather have Alonzo Ball as his point guard. And Trey okay, Young. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I was <laughs> I just like that. That is, that is an atrocious take. So uh, I'm just gonna shout out my friend. That's a Max Kellerman yeah. take. Yeah, that was it. That was a bad. That was a bad take. But these again, both these teams are so young and so far. I to me, this is the series that I'm gonna be watching the closest in the first round because it, it it's just fun. It's good to see, especially the Knicks. Like mm-hmm. as a Brooklyn fan, I'm supposed to hate the Knicks. I grew up around Knicks fans. Not many Nets fans where I'm from, even though I'm from Jersey. Uh, it, like, obviously, the, the Knicks are the bigger brand in New York. Like, that's, that's obvious. And when you saw Madison Square Garden last night and the way it was set up, the vaccinated people, the non-vaccinated people, just that. That was hilarious. It was, it was hilarious. But the, when the Knicks are good, it's good for basketball. And yes. to, if the Knicks even get swept in this series, which I don't think they are, uh, we'll get into that, but like it, it's just so good to see, and uh, and then you can also see the growing pains with a young team, uh, for both for both sides. It was really a struggle to score in this game. The Knicks are very good defensively, uh, outside of again very it's Trey Young, and then not too much else on the Hawks that I can think of off the top of my head, unless I'm wrong. Uh, uh, Bogdanovich. Oh yeah, Bogdanovich. He he was good, especially from long range in that game. Uh, yeah, it was just it was it was such a fun game to watch and to see the way that Trey Young treated that MSG crowd and not being basically from the city and knowing the way that we treat opposing players <laughs> you know, to see him telling them to shut the shut the fuck up after hitting that shot. Yeah, it was just it was just serotonin. Not 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 that I'm not that I hate the Knicks. But what like, what was what was better? What do you think is better, Trey Young doing the uh, shut the fuck up to the crowd, or Reggie Miller have telling uh, Spike Lee to choke, to suck it pretty much? Uh, well, I think the Reggie Miller one is like historic and like well, even though I was or I might have been, we might have been alive for it. I don't even know what year it was. No, 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 that was like in the ninety-five or something like that. Yeah, all right. So we weren't. I thought it might have been like maybe early two thousands. No, uh, th- that's definitely going to be a moment and that atmosphere in MSG for game two is going to be so much better than the first one. Cause you thought they hated Trey young 
yeah. just wait until you see the signs and the and the just every time Trey Young has the ball, it's going to be deafening booze. And if you are a fan of basketball, watch this game. Also, shout out Alec Burks. He was amazing in this game too. He drank really some came of that. up down the stretch. Yeah, and it was it was big for the Knicks because Julius Randle really struggled in this game. Uh, and and you think throughout the series that Julius Randle isn't going to struggle. Uh, I see the Knicks as a more complete team than the Hawks uh, when all their pieces are firing. R.J. Barrett, uh, Julius Randle, Alec Burks played a big factor. Carlos Boozer. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that was Carlos Boozer. He was like Carlos Boozer. Carlos Boozer was not in this game. Who are you talking about? Wait, who's the center for the Knicks? Why am I saying Carlos Boozer? Taj Gibson. Former Chicago Bull. I'll give you that. I'll give you former Good. bald Chicago Bull. I'll big, give you that. Big, oh. Bald. Let's get wear t shirts underneath their jersey. <laughs> I told you, I'm not that big of a basketball guy. Bro, I didn't think you were talking about Carlos Boozer, bro. I am not. But, but again, I, I have fun series. If you like basketball, yeah. watch the series. Uh, prediction for this series? I th- it's going to, like, that's the thing. It, this is going to be a tight series, I think. Um, I think it goes seven. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven. I think it'll go six. Uh, just because I think rare, very few series really go to seven. Um, and, I think Julius. I think Taylor. Julius Rand. I think Julius Randall's gonna get hot, hot again in game two. He's gonna be one to uh, have that huge chip on his shoulder, and he's gonna want to prove himself that this year wasn't a fluke, and he's ready to produce in the playoffs. I think the Knicks are gonna come out even tougher, even scrappier than before, especially with Trey Young telling the crowd to shut the fuck up. Um, I, yeah, I think the Knicks win just because I think this is setting up the Hawks to be uber confident and ready to just be like oh yeah we can win a fucking as msg again and that's going to set up the knicks to just be pit bulls full-on like early like 90s knicks and just scratch and claw their way to a win and i think they're going to be fired up and ready to go to game two so i, I got the knicks in game two I see. so again growing up around a bunch of knicks fans the the best moment of our generation has been the 2012 playoffs when yes. they played the LeBron James Heat uh, and lost. Uh, and I just, it's it's New York, man. I it, they're not winning this series. I say Atlanta in seven. I say I say it, it's something like this that the net the Knicks are down three one. A right? game a game seven in New York. A I, game seven loss at Madison Square Garden. I think, I'm, I'm gonna predicted. take. I'm gonna take the Knicks in the series. Fuck it. I'm going. I'm, I'm taking, going all in with the Knicks. I may. So you're going this, Knicks. But... You're going Knicks and six. I'll go Knicks and six. Yes. I'm going Hawks and seven, uh, and then they'll face uh, the 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 Sixers in the next round. Yeah, Hawks and seven. I it, again, it's the Knicks. It's the Knicks. No it's matter how Knicks, hard you if... try, no matter yeah. how hard you try, and whoever puts on that uniform, the Knicks will always be the Knicks. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a tight series. It's going to be a tight series. I, I hope that the Knicks advance because I, I cannot wait for those Instagram videos. If the Knicks actually win seven, just seeing the streets of Manhattan, just be. Oh ab- yeah. No, that this is the biggest thing for this franchise in years. And this at century, least, at least two decades. Yes. Yeah. At least two decades. Uh, and again, I be growing up around this area. Uh, which has predominantly become Knicks country after the Nets left. Uh, 
this team this team means so much to the city of New York that just winning a series would feel like winning the championship. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if they came up against the Sixers, they'd be in trouble. But yeah. Uh, but let's let's bounce on over to the Western Conference. Uh, Blazers Nuggets uh, also happened this past weekend. Blazers uh, won surprisingly. I don't think people were giving the Blazers this much credit coming into the series. Uh, they won. Damian Lillard was Dane time like always. Thirty four points, absolutely on fire uh, in this game. Two rebounds and thirteen assists as well. This dude was dishing it again, solidifying himself as one of the best point guards of this decade, in my opinion. Um, as for Denver, I think this is a huge loss. This is a really momentum-defining loss at home. I think they were expecting to get the win, and for Denver to just come in and play well defensively. I was not expecting Denver to hold or Portland to hold Denver to less than 110 points. Portland won 123 to 109. That's very impressive, and that's huge. If Portland can play defense and limit these Western Conference teams to 110, maybe under 100, if they can do that, that's a huge step in the right direction and could really set up a Cinderella-type run in the playoffs moving forward. Nikola Jokic did his thing, 34 points on a 14 for 27 shooting. Only got to the free throw line four times, which was also surprising uh, to me as well. I really thought he was going to be drawing more contact. Maybe was expecting more contact, probably. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., 25 points for the for the Nuggets, one for ten from three, so he can only go up from the three point range. Um, but yeah, overall, I this is a great win for Portland. They desperately needed a playoff win because it felt like this is one of those make or break it years. Is this another year where? Either Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum gets traded. Does the coach get fired? What is the what are, what other roster changes are they going to move in the front court to really solidify defensively? And just a great performance from Portland overall. Denver looked sloppy and just really couldn't get things going. And now game two is tonight uh, at 10 p.m. on TNT. I think Portland is riding the momentum. They're going to really step up again defensively and I think the loss of Jamal Murray is going to really be magnified in this series and could lead to an upset I'm going to call an upset in this series I think Portland wins the series and somehow advances if they keep up the play defensively uh, but yeah I'm, I'm assuming again you didn't watch this game uh, no I, I I didn't but again I, when I was doing my research and I was reading this it was the 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 Blazers and their coaching staff and the game plan they came into this game with knowing that Jamal Murray wasn't going to be there and knowing that Nikola Jokic is this entire team yeah. now now for the Nuggets the game plan they put out was basically we're going to let Jokic out of the ball we're going to cut off everything else yes if yeah. you were looking if you were looking at if you were looking at the stats in this game Jokic had one assist that's nuts. That's not that's not a that's not a Nikola Jokic game, yeah. not at all. Also, the Nuggets were one of ten off of off of passes from Jokic, Jeez. and and that they're falls that falls. Him. Yeah, they're not helping him. So if you're the if you are the Blazers, keep doing that. If you mm-hmm. can just literally cut off the head of the snake, which is Jokic, let him get the ball, let him score as much as he wants. But yeah. if he's not if he's not playmaking. If he's not being a playmaker like he usually is down low, the Nuggets will not be successful offensively. So, do I think 
that the Blazers could do what they did in game one and it lasts an entire series? Honestly, I think they can. I, as you said, the, the loss of Jamal Murray really hurts this team. And just, as, as I say, cutting off the head of the snake and just doing that. And if the Nuggets can't find just some sort of secondary option, even if it's for a couple of possessions, it'd mm. be Michael Porter Jr. or someone be able to create themselves outside of Nikola Jokic. Like then, then Jokic will open up. It will open up some spaces for him. He'll be able to do what he does. You just got to spread the floor if you're the Nuggets, and you just got to be successful when it comes to shooting, uh, which they were not in this game. So, I, it's I'm still I'm still hesitant to call it an upset uh, in favor of the Blazers because there's always something about the Blazers when it comes to moments like these always an injury or something crazy yeah yeah you're just kind of like I I don't I doubt you but I also doubt the Nuggets uh this is a this is a really tough series to call and it was two two years ago the series also went to seven games and with Jamal Murray Denver again well not again but Denver eked out a series win I think losing Jamal Murray is a huge difference and Dame Lillard is going to do his thing, but losing Jamal Murray is going to be such a massive hole and a steep hill to climb that I just don't think that Jokic alone with this squad surrounding him, that he's going to be able to get over this. And I'm just sold on Portland. Portland also like that home court advantage. Like they're very good. They're very good at home. So my prediction is if, this game tonight is crucial. If the Trailblazers go up two nothing, I think they win this series, possibly in as soon as five. Wow! I don't. If if they go up two nothing, yeah, that's going to be is, huge. If yeah. it is tied, one one, going back to Portland, I think the Nuggets win it in seven. So that's my prediction. That's yeah. I, that's as much as I'm saying. This game is so crucial that if the Nuggets lose, I think their season's done because I think they're gonna <sighs> maybe split it in Portland or on like. I don't know. Like, I I don't. Anything can happen because now Portland knows how to win in Denver. So it's like, how the hell is that going to happen? And it's just going to be a strange, strange series to see how Portland really reacts to what Jokic is going to do next because God knows what he's going to do coming off of a loss, and he's going to try and go balls to the wall. And there was just no supporting shooting. Aaron Gordon was solid, like seven for 16, but two for four from three. Like the three point shooting, the classic Jokic kickouts just aren't working. And they got to figure out something else, which is why I'm saying, give me Bull Bull. It's time to unlock the beast. Bring Bull Bull. I need some Bull Bull minutes in my life. Um, and I think he, I, in all seriousness, I think he could be a huge difference maker when they need scoring. And no one is prepared for bowl bowl. So why not just give them a shot and see what happens? Because because when you're saying like play a player like bowl bowl, you're you're you're, think, you're assuming you're the underdog in the series. Yeah. You're assuming that we're, we're screwed. Like we need to come up with something. That's not the Nuggets. The Nuggets are the favorites in the series. They should be the favorites in this series. They should be winning this series. Bowl mm-hmm. um, bowl is like if you're down like three one in the series and you need to come up with something. But like uh, why though? Like why can't they just like play him now i I don't think it's necessarily like a oh shit we gotta we gotta like throw everything at the wall like just give him a shot he just hasn't been given a a fair shot in my opinion in the nba but that's 
a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I, yeah, fair enough. But again, if you're if you're the if you're the Trailblazers, what you do in this series, you let you let Jokic score as much as they want. You do not yep. let them pass. Do not let them pass. And then basically, if you could do that, I think the Trailblazers win tonight. Okay. Is the most crucial game of the series. Agreed. Um, so another shocking result that I don't think many people were expecting was the Dallas Mavericks and Los Angeles Clippers series. Dallas somehow, some way uh, beats the Clippers. And is this setting up another Los Angeles Clippers choke job? We shall see. I think it is. Uh, but Mavericks win 113 to 103. Luka Doncic, the Clippers just didn't have an answer for him. All right. 30, this, I, sorry, actually, go. No, I was just going to read off his stat line real quick. I mean, 31 points, he had like 21 or 22 at the half, plus 19 in the plus-minus category, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. This dude all over the floor, and the Clippers just didn't have an answer for him. This this falls on the Clippers coaching staff because how is Kawhi Leonard the best defensive player in the NBA usually? Well, a top-five defensive player in the NBA. Can you agree with me there? Not yeah. Yeah, yeah. on Luka Doncic because Luka – he is we've seen it we saw it in the bubble last year we've seen it in the regular season he's so dynamic his playmaking is so good he could score he could do everything on the floor how is Kawhi Leonard not guarding him I can tell you why because this load management bullshit that's been dating back the last three years this is the playoffs they're trying I I completely agree I'm just saying devil's advocate here load management shit that's been going on since 2019 they're trying to save his energy for the offensive end because now the rules are so geared towards offensive players and drawing fouls and getting contact that we're seeing more and more teams just try and outscore each other rather than lock down defensively, which is why they had in the first quarter. They already had, I think, three different Clipper defenders on Luka in like the first five possessions, I want to say. It was like Pat Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi may have switched on him coming off of the screen, but it's all this load management shit that's like, we can't risk Kawhi defending him because a potential injury or we need him on the offensive end. And that's so gonna... then the, so then like, why even put him down the, 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 the defensive side of the floor? Like what? That, I, like... I agree. It's so it's ridiculous, but that's just the way the league is set up. And that's the way this, all this load management horse shit is really filtered into the NBA nowadays. But you're also talking like, you're not saying bad, like outside of Kawhi, you're not saying bad defenders either. Yeah. You're saying Pat Beverly and you're saying Paul George, like two, I mean, Pat Beverly is a better defender than Paul George is, but yeah, just like if you're, you're, it's the playoffs. Like, no, this you gotta throw everything to at them. Remember, remember how the Raptors won their championship two years ago. They put Kawhi was that entire team, not that entire team. I mean, there were some supplemental pieces, but he he was the main catalyst of that team. Yeah. And if you want to be successful, Clippers, you got it. You got to use Kawhi in all facets of the game that he's good at. If he wasn't a good defender, I would get it, but he's elite at what he does defensively as what he, as well as what he does offensively. So if you're Dallas, uh, I think you're playing with house money in the series because you are such, you are expected to be such an underdog against an extremely counters Clippers, counter Clippers team. And I think this will wake the Clippers up. I think this is a a kick in the ass being like, you're not going to, you're not going to walk through the series. Like you might've thought originally, Mm -hmm. uh, I still think the Clippers win the series, but like if you're, I just seeing seeing Kawhi not on Luca for the majority of this game just made me kind of go like, 
Like, are you serious? Like, if, if you if you have a better defender on Luca, and and it's compounded by the fact that the Clippers are just like basically dodging the Lakers towards the end of the season and just resting their players and not locking up that three seed. Now they're falling in the four seed, and if the Maver- and if the Mavericks win this series, they the Clippers thought the memes were bad before last year. They dodge the Lakers and then lose to the Mavericks in a series, and they don't throw like you're saying. They don't throw Kawhi on Luca, and he doesn't lock Luca down, and they don't shut down this offense. Oh, the internet's gonna have a field day. It may be one of the best days to be on the internet ever alive if you're a sports fan. Yeah, I, it's just it's seeing the way that they built their team. They they tried to be the Lakers. They tried to be the Nets. They tried to be the Sixers. Just like you're better than this. Like. No, no, that you're better. Tell yourself we are better than this, and fucking act like it. Unless it's <laughs> like not going to go good. Paul George didn't have a field goal until I think it was midway through the second quarter, if not towards the end of the second quarter. Yeah, he no, he really didn't good. look good at all. He looked like pandemic P. And this is a guy that's been saying I deserve more respect around the league. You you got to play in crunch time, no matter what you did in the regular season. We the last time we saw you in the playoffs in a high. Mo- high pressure situation you hit the side of a backboard on a corner three and right now paul george is on the verge of that just being his entire career summed up in one video as much as i hate it the the internet is the internet and that's that's what his career may be if they don't win this series yeah i i do think i do think the clippers win it in six because they are superior superior more wow just a stroke they are more talented (laughs) than dallas and Luca can only carry Dallas so far. But yeah. if Dallas wins this series, man, as you said, the Clippers are you gotta like you gotta consider blowing up that roster and finding something else, whether it be the coaching staff or you probably gotta trade Paul George. You gotta you gotta find something else. You gotta find something else because how much longer are you gonna have Kawhi in his prime? Um Yeah, that's true. I'm gonna take the Clippers also. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this goes to seven. I'm gonna You're say gonna this go goes I think I mean, Luca just looks unstoppable. I'm not sold on the Clippers. I think they look exactly like they did last year, especially in the playoffs. I don't – by the way, ESPN showing the side where the cardboard cutouts are in the Staples Center, poor choice. Poor choice. Like, there were fans. <laughs> it just looks so weird. It is um, kind of a cardboard – it is kind of a cardboard franchise, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I'm just saying. Like, No, you're not you're, wrong. You're not wrong. It's, see – all right, as a Nets fan, yeah, the Nets are basically the Clippers in New York. I, it, correct, like, correct. I would agree like with it, that. Yes, like there's very few passionate Nets fans uh, mm-hmm. compared to other teams in the NBA. But just like when you when you have the Clippers or when you have the Lakers, just like just like you have the Knicks in New York, like who really cares about the like? I understand yeah. who cares about the Nets. Like the Clippers will always be the younger brother, no matter what they do. Uh, not making a conference final in like what is it 51 years now ever like, like even the even the nets in my lifetime had made the nba finals like come yeah. on get, yeah. get, get get your shit together i think they will get their shit together but like dude <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a while uh, but let's move on uh another western conference series that was pretty close i really enjoyed uh, watching this in the afternoon uh phoenix hosting lost Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Devin Booker makes his playoff debut, shows out 34.7 rebounds. Good, good for him, man. He deserves it. It is good. And it's ironic because everyone was uh, trying to really trash him after that video 
a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I think at this point, where it was like, he was playing summer pickup ball and he was like, yo, we double teaming in pickup. And everyone was like, why aren't you more competitive in pickup? And meanwhile, it's these people just like sitting on the couch that play like pickup in like their Converse Chuck Taylors at like the LA Fitness. And like, why aren't you more competitive? You should be better than this. Um, but yeah, Devin Booker showed out. Really happy that he gets to show out his talents on a massive stage. And DeAndre Ayton. He looked like DeAndre Ayton in Arizona that everyone was saying this is the number one overall pick and really showed why on both ends of the floor. Anthony Davis struggled, and I give DeAndre Ayton a lot of credit there. AD had 13 points. He was minus 18, had three blocks, but other than that, he was struggling all day. LeBron James, again, another Oscar-worthy performance uh, falls to the floor off of a free throw and acted like he got hit and got like shot with a shot down right, in his shoulder. All right. We, we have, we have to talk about this. <laughs> Go ahead. Like you're LeBron James. Stop <laughs> acting like a little bitch. You're the best player <laughs> on the court. No matter what court you step on, you're the best player on the court and flopping like a child. <laughs> like get out. Like, d- I'm a, I'm a pretty big soccer fan, and I get I get the hate against soccer, but yeah. basketball is ridiculous. He is, you look at all these great athletes in their sports. He's the biggest pansy of them all. Is he the <sighs> best? Is he the best one of them all? Probably. He's Probably. the biggest pansy of them all. And just the way the Lakers played in this game, ninety points. You scored ninety points in a playoff game, like that was fine maybe in two thousand five. It is twenty twenty one. <laughs> you you with the talent that you have, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. I I, I got Thank another you. stat, another stat that I was looking up. Uh there was LeBron James only attempted four field goals inside of 10 feet. Oh boy. He did not he did not drive the he just did not look interested in just trying to get inside and create chances. Because it's LeBron James. Like, I don't I know they're professional athletes. But if my fat ass is standing there and LeBron James is coming at me, I'm going to be scared shitless. Like they're <laughs> going to be scared too, like in some capacity, because it's just such a physical monster. Just watching the way the Lakers played this game, it was kind of like they're. It's it's weird to think that we're talking a one versus eight game. The Lakers are the eight. Yeah, it's that weird. Is, no, two two versus seven. Two versus seven. It's still weird that we're talking about two versus seven like this. The yeah. Lakers are just seven. It's just like, I like I'm not a, I'm not a Lakers fan, but it pissed me off. Like, cause I'm no, just like, yeah, because I want to say like I watched the greatest of all time. I want that to be LeBron. Like, I think Tommy Stokes was saying this, caught an episode of the Rundown like earlier this week, and he was saying like what I'm about to say. Pretty much, I'm paraphrasing here. It was like. But he does this shit where he's just flopping and he's complaining to the refs, not getting calls. He throws his hands up, gets out of the play or whatever. And it's like, that's embarrassing. That's just straight up embarrassing. And as you're saying, probably one of the biggest pansies that we've seen on a high, high level, high, high level. And like, it's just... It's just ridiculous that you got to flop that much, especially when he all the reports. It's like LeBron p- spends a million dollars on his body every seat, every off season since well, like did, 08 or whatever. Did you see the thing they were talking about it? I think it was I don't remember who it was on Barstool when they were they were breaking down the the incident where LeBron James goes down at like he got shot in the shoulder off the free throw, 
and then a scrum breaks out and then it's hilarious what he does when he realizes no one's paying attention to him he stands up and then collapses right where the scrum was happening like i you can't deny his greatness he is probably the greatest basketball player of all time whether you think that's mj or him he's probably one of the greatest but just like he's one and two in basketball history just like just act like it like you don't have to succumb to and we also like we also saw earlier in this game like chris paul went down with a shoulder injury too yeah. he ended up coming back into the game but i remember seeing that and just being like oh like oh shit like sons might be screwed mm-hmm. <laughs> and then see lebron fake a similar injury like <laughs> i don't know that just sat so wrong with me i i it just you're the best player in the world Again, like, like if it. i get the chance to talk to lebron i've made it pretty well in life but i like it's just there are just certain expectations from me as a competitor where I say, like, you take the hit, you're 6'8", 260 or whatever, you should be able to take that hit and be able to pop up, especially after KD's ass just, like, bounce like a goddamn basketball coming off of Marcus Smart earlier in that game this weekend. Like, it, it to me, it just – Oh, yeah, go. Like to me, it just doesn't make any sense why you got to flop this much. It just doesn't make any sense. You don't have to do that. The foul's called. You hit the deck. You got the foul call. That's it. If you're if you're if you're if you feel like something in your shoulder, just be like, hey, trainer, like come over and help. Like just just like you know, stretch me out a little bit. But the team is probably thinking, oh shit, LeBron's dislocated his shoulder. He's probably done for the series. And like as a leader, you should just be like, all right, I'm gonna pop back up. Let's get going, stretch it out a little bit, and we'll be ready to go. And the fact that no one believes it is indicative of the fact that he's been doing this for so long. And it's infuriating because this should be the guy that we, our generation should be saying, this is the greatest of all time, hands down. He was a competitor. He had the killer instinct and everything like that. But it just doesn't feel that way. It feels like he's kind of cutting corners and cheating, not saying that he is, but it just feels like he's cutting corners and, you know, complaining more than actually competing. But and also, my... like, if you're on the Lakers and you see your star player doing something like that, I I don't know. That kind of just emanates a sort of non-confidence in your roster. Yeah. Like, like, oh, like we, because you look at the rosters of these two teams. This should not be a two versus seven matchup. Yes, agree. This should this should be something you see like in the Western like. That, like, like the a, Lakers are like a one versus four, like a two versus like three, like something like that. Yeah, and arguably the Suns should be the lower seed. Like, yeah. just it doesn't it doesn't show that the Lakers have confidence coming into the playoffs that they don't have confidence in this team. That when you're when you're resorting to tactics like LeBron James did, it's just I don't know. It it, it just doesn't it doesn't rub it doesn't run me the right way. It it just shows that I don't think the Lakers are the lake show like they were last year agree uh if i had to pick who wins this series you you can't count out the lakers still though you can't count them out but i'm gonna predict phoenix and like the lakers just look so shaken and i'm gonna i'm gonna take phoenix and five well i was gonna say phoenix and five you think you think i think they're gonna take i'm gonna take both of these on the road i think they'll split um well, yeah, I think they'll split. They'll take both of these at home. They'll split on the road, and then they'll, they just need one. They just need to go back home and take one. That, To me, that's easy money because 
like we talked about LeBron, he is and he is not looking confident. His outside shot is struggling, and he's not getting to the paint and finishing like we're used to him seeing. There are reports coming out that he's not completely healthy and that he's basically playing on one leg. Anthony Anthony Davis looks shaken. How he'll bounce back in game two, we'll see. And that could completely change my prediction and change my thoughts on the series. But coming off of that first game, Phoenix looks hungrier. Chris Paul wants that ring more than anything else in the world right now. Devin Booker wants to prove himself as one of the top five guards in the league. DeAndre Ayton solidified himself as, or not solidified, but he proved to me why he was such a high-valued prospect coming out of Arizona, and it finally flourished. Jay Crowder is a great veteran for this locker room to really do what he did in Miami and kind of lead the way in a high-pressure situation. So I think the mix is just right there for Phoenix, and they're hungry, and they want to win. And I think that Los Angeles just looks shaken inconsistent and not steady and i will always take the more hungry team that's ready to win and wants to absolutely dominate you and right now that's what phoenix looks like to me i i know i i agree with that i do think why i don't think it's gonna be five and i can see this being a six or seven game series uh experience eventually catches up like True. i know we're talking about the lakers we're talking about an injured lakers team an injured lakers team is still better than half the teams in this in the nba True. Uh, and they won the championship last year in in the hardest environment to win the championship mm-hmm. so this team knows how to this team knows how to win and when you look at the young pieces that the suns have like yes they have chris paul and jay Crowder. But your two other big pieces are Devin Booker, who's never been in the playoffs, and DeAndre Ayton, who's never been in the playoffs. Yes, they're talented, but sometimes it takes a different level to win in the playoffs. And so, do you do you think the Lakers are in trouble right now? No, I don't. Okay, so you think that I, they'll bounce back and get things together? Yes, I think I think we're going to see a significantly different Lakers team. If we don't, then then the stuff about LeBron playing injured in eighty struggling and all that stuff is going to be put even under more of a microscope. Uh, but I just can't say, see the Lakers losing to an inexperienced yet talented Phoenix team in the playoffs in only five games. I could see them losing in six or seven and I'm going to pick the Suns in six, but like, again, I wouldn't be shocked to see the series become a lot closer than it seemed like it was in game one. Fair. Um, I guess I'm a prisoner of the moment, but I'm going to, I'm going to still roll with Phoenix and five um, last Western conference series, Memphis beats Utah, the number one seed, Utah jazz one twelve to one Oh nine uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had a chance to tie the game at the buzzer, uh, but unfortunately could not hit the game tying three pointer. Dylan Brooks had a great game, 31 points, seven rebounds, two assists. It is important to note Utah did not have Donovan Mitchell, they haven't had him for 16 games, I think, 16 or 17 games, including this one, um, which is a huge component of this. But reports are coming out um, that he will be available for game two. So we'll see how uh, Memphis handles that with the fully healthy Utah roster. Uh, but coming off of this game one, this to me solidified why Memphis can go on those runs and truly be an underdog team. And John Morant looks like a he is up there for top five point guards with 
the way he's been performing and towards the, uh, the end stretch of this season, he looks confident. He looks hungry. He can get to his spots. He's being more efficient with the shooting. He's not relying on a three-point shot. He's getting into the lane, drawing contact, all those things. Combined with the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't necessarily score in this one. He only had seven points, but he had three steals and a block. Um, he was the, actually the only Grizzly starter to not end up in double figures. That to me is like, okay, the Grizzlies weren't even at their best. They can be even better. What does that look like against a fully healthy Utah uh, team that's going to need some time to really incorporate Donovan Mitchell back into the offense, which in the postseason is not what you need. You need your players firing on all cylinders and you need things rolling right away, which to me offers a glimpse into a possible upset, which would be historic for a team that many people have been predicting to go to the NBA finals. And if obviously Dylan Brooks isn't going to put up 30 again, probably the rest of the series, but they just need steady contributions. John Morant lead the way. Jonas Valanciunas to dominate down low. And this could easily be an upset in my opinion. Now, will it be? No. I think Utah wins in five or six. I think it may go six just because of that Memphis home crowd. And I don't think Memphis is just going to roll over in some of these games. And it's going to take time for Donovan Mitchell to really get back into his form. So overall, I think this is a very surprising upset. This is my most shocking result from this weekend. And overall, I think Utah has some serious things to uh, look into the mirror. They got to look, look into themselves and really turn things around. But uh, what do you think about this game? Uh I, I I agree with most of what you're saying. I just when I watched it and when I see what Memphis did in this game, I'm not really sitting here saying to myself that like I think well, obviously Dylan Brooks is not going to score 31 points. Bojan yeah. Bogdanovic is probably oh wait not excuse me not Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, yeah, I just I when I when I look at what they did like John Morant 26 that's something sustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel that the thing about Donovan Mitchell was he was supposed to play in game one. Yeah. And the, he was, a, he was a late scratch from the, uh, from the, from the jazz roster in this game. And I, I think, it, I think it was a, a good idea to scratch him if he's not fully healthy, because I do think the jazz are that much better than the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies mm-hmm. are a fun team to watch. Uh, no doubt about it. But just like when, when you see what they did in this game, they also got like no scoring off the bench either. They got 19 points off the bench. That was it. And Jordan Clarkson think... is a guy that they need to get going. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 it's kind of, it's kind of hard to judge this series off of this one game, in my opinion, because also you're talking about the Grizzlies firing on all cylinders like mm-hmm. they did outside of maybe bench scoring. Uh, they only won by three points. That's Donovan, a fair point. Donovan Mitchell makes the Jazz better than just three points. Donovan Mitchell, even if he's coming off an injury, is still dynamic. The Jazz are still the superior team, in my opinion. Uh, and also, yeah, someone like Bojan Bogdanovic dropping twenty nine points is a big thing. Mike Connolly dropped twenty two in this game. If you're not, if you're, if you're starting someone else other than Joe Ingles, and his name is Donovan Mitchell. I think you'll be fine. 
I think this game is going to, or the series is not going to be close. I think this was kind of a fluke game. I think uh, it's, I, re- I, I think it's only going to be close just because I think it's going to take time for Donovan Mitchell to really get back into the flow of things. It's not going to be right away that they're going to start clicking again. Yeah. But the, the thing is like, it felt like with this Donovan Mitchell injury and him coming back into the playoffs, like sometimes you feel like players are rushed back. Like true. Yeah. That it, it's like, it's like the best example I can come up is with hockey and the Tampa Bay Lightning who won the Stanley Cup and their best player, Stephen Stamkos, breaks his leg and miraculously comes back during the playoffs and scores two goals. Like, Donovan Mitchell is not coming into this, like, not fully healthy, not fully cold. Like, he's coming in. The reason he was rested in this game was because the Jazz knew he could be rested, not because he wasn't healthy, because they wanted to be precautious. That's a fair counterpoint. Yeah. so So you have Donovan Mitchell coming back into this game Yep. As close to full health as he possibly could be. So that's why I think the Jazz are going to be perfectly fine. I think maybe this could go six. I, I say Utah in five. I think they win the next four. Okay. I think I'm going to take Utah in six just because I think it's going to take some time, a couple of games for Donovan Mitchell to get back into things. Uh, but I don't mind that prediction. I, I totally hear what you're saying. Totally makes a lot of sense. Um, anything else before we wrap up? Uh Oh, defensive player of the year. Do you think Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year? Uh, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like the lazy pick. There's probably someone better. I know you talked about Simmons. Ben Simmons. I know you talked about Ben Simmons and seeing the way he played uh, in the play in the in the first game kind of made you think, yeah, probably. But like the defensive player of the year usually goes over the course of an entire season, uh, and I feel like a lot of people. Like odd uh, Ben Simmons is a very good defensive player, but a lot of people are going like, oh, Ben Simmons should have won the award because you saw what he did in game one. Like, chill. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not going off of game one. I'm just talking about over the course of the season. In Utah, without Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons dropped 42 on Rudy Gobert. Ben Simmons can guard one through five. He can do so many different things, and he has the speed of, like, John Wall mixed with the build of LeBron, and – he can just turn around momentum of games with the way he pokes balls away, creates uh, tran- transition opportunities. And I, Rudy Gobert, in my opinion, we talked about on this podcast uh, with my my uh, normal co-host, Timmy, when we talk basketball. Um, Gobert is just he's – a, he's a rim defender. And why the fuck are we giving he's – he's already won it twice. Twice. Like – I just, I just think it's lazy. Like you said, it's a lazy pick. Like, oh, yeah, Gobert's pretty good. Jazz have the best record in the league or whatever. Why not give it to him? And that, and that just drives me nuts because it degrades the quality of defense that Ben Simmons has played. And he's locked down guys while also contributing to a winning team that's number one in the East. But I don't know. That's, here's, here's, the, here's the question I have for you, Matthew. Would you rather uh, have Ben Simmons win the defensive player of the year or the Lakers be left in the Larry O'Brien trophy? The Lakers or the Sixers? The Sixers. <laughs> no, that's a that's a fact. I want the I Larry Larry can come home. Larry can come I, to I, Philly. Yeah, I don't put much much stock in any awards, individual awards. Yeah, uh, coming out of seasons, because let's be honest, LeBron James should be winning the MVP every single year. True. He is, yeah, he's the best player in the league. The same way Connor McDavid should be winning the Hart Trophy in the NHL. Same way that 
probably Aaron Rodgers should be winning the NFL MVP every year. The same way Mike Trout should be winning the MLB MVP or the AL MVP. Just like, I, 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 I just, I don't know. I don't put much stock in these awards. Uh, Rudy Gobert fine. winning the defensive player of the year doesn't degrade what Ben Simmons has done. Uh, I, you could, again, you could argue that as you were saying that like it's it, being a rim defender and guarding the way that Ben Simmons does at one through five is arguably more impressive, especially at the level that he does it. But like, if Rudy Gobert wins defensive player of the year, I don't think anyone's going to be like, ah, like he doesn't deserve it. But like, I yeah. also, no one's going to be like, ah, Ben Simmons sucks. Like, <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's a fair point. Again, championships is what matters most. If they could, if they could win their first. So, uh, so go, yeah, sorry, so go this, ahead. This is, this is, I'm not sure if this is going to be the only time I want for the NBA playoffs. As you can tell, I kind of struggled through parts of this. Uh, <laughs> it turned out to be a pretty good episode. Who wins? Who, who, who lifts the Larry O'Brien trophy? Are you talking about predicting it all right now? If I you, give, give me your NBA finals and who wins. Gun, gun to my head, NBA finals champion. I am, I am taking my Philadelphia bias out of this, but I truly believe that the Sixers can win a championship this year. Doc Rivers, I've been talking about it all season long. Doc Rivers is such a huge change. I don't, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. Matisse Thibel has stepped up as one of the best defensive perimeter players in the entire NBA. Joel Embiid is playing at a, a Hakeem Olajuwon level. If he can stay healthy throughout the playoffs, that's huge. I think the Sixers are the best team, best equipped team to deal with Brooklyn defensively that they are one of the probably one of like two or three teams maybe that can really give the big three of KD Kyrie and Harden a difficult time to make shots and shoot over the incredible length that they have Utah. I'm not sold on Utah because like you talked about postseason experience, it's going to catch up and I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to handle a Clipper series, a Lakers series. If the Lakers get that far, phoenix it's gonna the west is just so messy that anything can happen there and i think with combined also with the sixers path to the eastern conference finals they're gonna have to go through washington or washington and either atlanta or new york atlanta is gonna have a a tough time because the sixers have so much length and physicality to really give trey young a hard a difficult time to make shots new york is going to be an interesting matchup just because both teams are going to be playing on their toughness uh, but I don't think New York has the star power to really compete with with the Sixers in a seven-game series. Um, and coming out of Milwaukee or Brooklyn matchup, I can't predict that right now. I would give the edge to Brooklyn just based on star power. But I truly believe that for the first time, it feels like the Sixers have a legitimate chance to win the championship. And with the West being so messy, Sixers have an easy path in the East. And the defensive talent that we have, that the Sixers have, I just, I there's no, not no excuse, but chances are I I will put my money on the Sixers to win. How about you? You're going to and who? So who would you pick as Western Conference champion? Gun to your head. Western Conference champions, gun to my head. That's going to be so. It's going to be such a weird conference to predict. There's a bullet going through your head either way. <laughs> there's no uh, way to there's no way to properly predict this conference. No, yeah, there's no way. Like this I, is the most open we've ever seen. 
Yeah. We, we've, see, we've probably ever seen, or not ever seen, this is the most open the Western Conference has been. Even, even the bubble, it didn't feel like there was like so many weaknesses to point out with different teams. Um, like, it's going to, if I had to pick probably Utah, I mean, I know I just said the experience, but I mean, I just don't know how healthy the Lakers are going to be. Maybe Phoenix. I don't. If I had to pick it, Phoenix, I'm going to go Phoenix because I'm not sold on Utah. Phoenix looks hungry. Chris Paul is going to make a huge difference. And I think he knows this is one of the last years that he can really win a championship. And I think if he gets over the LeBron hump, that's going to be like Dogecoin stock, just straight to the moon. Like they're just, their confidence is going to soar. Yeah. I, if I had to go my prediction, uh, uh, that Eastern Conference final between the Sixers and the Nets is going to be extremely fun. As Dude, a those, Nets fan, those home court games are going to be wild. Yeah, I, I think the Wells Fargo Center does have a better atmosphere than Brooklyn. I, again, I, as I said, I understand that <laughs> the fuck you Westbrook chance are the yes. one example of why I love Philadelphia so much. I Philadelphia is an interesting city, and if I love it or not, will be yet to be seen. Uh, <laughs> but. Well, I said it earlier in the podcast uh, when it comes to offense and defense. Uh-huh. It's a lot easier to be offensively inconsistent than it is to be defensively inconsistent. And I stand by that fact. And when you look at the way Philadelphia is built, uh, they can't outscore the Nets. Yeah. But they could they could definitely outdefend them by far. You're talking about one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA versus the best, probably. Yeah. So I would give Philadelphia the edge. It would be an entertaining series. I would say seven games. Yeah. Uh, I would I be shocked if Brooklyn won it? No. Uh, I th- honestly think it's a coin flip, but like maybe like a 55-45 in favor of the Sixers. Out of the West, uh, this is this is a fact that will stand by the winner of the Western Conference. Uh, I think I think the NBA champion comes out of the East. Uh, it, whoever wins uh, between the Sixers and Nets, yep. Uh, the winner of the Western Conference comes out of this the Phoenix LA series. If LA gets past Phoenix, the Lakers are going to the championship. If Phoenix gets by yeah. LA, because it's LA, that proves that LA is still LA. If yeah. Beat no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And if Phoenix gets past LeBron, gets over that hump, like you were talking about. Uh, I, it's just I, it's just so wild because there's so many questions. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, no, yeah. This is probably the most open. It not really in the East. I feel like the East is kind of like uh, outside of the Knicks and Hawks. It's kind of obvious who's going to win every series. Yeah. Uh, but in the West, it, it could go either way. Except probably the I said the Utah one, and I stand by that. I think I think the Jazz wouldn't relatively easy, but like the Lakers, Mavericks, Portland, Denver, and Phoenix, LA. You don't know where it's going to go. But I, I stand exactly. by it's either going to be the Phoenix, the Suns, or the Lakers. Uh, I did already pick the Suns, so I'm going to go Suns Sixers, I guess, in the final. Similar to so you. we both, so we both have Suns Sixers in the finals. Who do you right. do you think Phoenix wins that wins that championship? Brings it home. I swear to fucking God, Connor. I swear to God, I'm about to get up for this one. I have a I have burning hatred for the city of Philadelphia. I do. I hate the people. I hate the sports teams. It's a disgusting city. The, all things we've heard before. No, nothing too. Nothing too shitty. I don't. I don't think Phoenix would be able to compete. 
I think it would be a relatively easy series for the Sixers. Let's go! Defeat this. It's, it hurts. I I also stand by if it's Brooklyn in the final. I think Brooklyn. Likes oh yeah. The, the like the Suns are good, not Brooklyn or Philly good. Yeah. Uh, but I would I would have to say if it was Sixers Suns, Sixers would probably win unless that Philadelphia sports mentality comes out. <laughs> Which oh, it comes the, out like it comes out I, like twelve. It's like it's like a it's like a little troll in your head. It's just yeah, it's just there like all the, the time. Like you think about like the Eagles were not supposed to be as bad as the Eagles were. Uh, you oh, think yeah, about sorry, you think about Eagles. you think about the Flyers. The Flyers were a gong show of a team, and they are really in trouble for the future. The Phillies are not good. Like it sucks. I, it sucks. It 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 does really feel like though this. But you guys did have the Eagles. I don't know. <laughs> like, if you're talking about if you're talking about pure skill, I would give it to the Sixers. But if you're talking about mentality and just the way that oh, organizations man. are run and the fan base, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna go Sixers. I just want Sam Hinkie. I want Sam Hinkie courtside, sitting on on the floor. Joel Embiid dabs him up, and just Game Seven, not Game Seven. I hope it doesn't go to seven games because then we'll definitely lose Game One of the Finals. At the Wells Fargo Center, Sam Hinkie gets a standing ovation, and they play a tribute video, and that Sam Hinkie gets his hailing praise. That's there's, all I want. There's, there's still something poetic about thinking how the Sixers are going to blow it, though. Like, because you think about that Kawhi shot. Oh, like, my God. I'm, I'm sorry to bring it up. But I like, cried. I cried that night. My girlfriend at the time was like, why are you crying so much? I was like, they were so fucking close. They were literally one bounce away. They, but whatever, 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 just, not, just, not just, even, not even not. Let's wrap this up. Cause I don't want to like, get in my I feel feels. Like there's, there's been so much heartbreak for the Sixers and there's also been so much heartbreak for the Nets no, no, that's true. For, for fans like me who've, who've been loyal to this organization for 21 years of my life. I have seen, I've seen Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, Vince Carter. That was my child. Kerry Kittles, Keith Van Horn. Like, like the Nets have never been better primed to win a championship outside of those teams in 01 and 02 that faced like the Spurs in the NBA finals, like the yeah. prime Spurs, like Ginobili Duncan. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's going to be uh, that Eastern conference finals, which I think is going to be Philly versus Brooklyn. Uh, honestly, if I had to pick who would be a lock, it would be Philly. Cause again, Brooklyn's inconsistent at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's going to be probably the best series of basketball we've seen since Warriors, Cavs, and the NBA Finals like three or four years ago. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, Connor, thank you for coming on the show. We'll hope to have you on uh, more often. Yeah, I, I don't do I, – I, like, I have an internship <laughs> over the summer. Also, plug plug my internship. I work for a soccer team in, in my area in uh, Morristown, New Jersey. We have our first uh, home game of the season, uh, Morris Elite. Uh, I am the in-stadium PA announcer. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, I'm the PA announcer, the DJ. Uh, so if you want to hear my lovely voice, uh, come on out. Union High School tomorrow, 730. Uh, tomorrow as in Tuesday. And then also 730 on Wednesday as well. All right. Sounds good. Connor, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, as always, follow our social media. Uh, follow, also check out our website, www.lettersbnbpodpod.org. Uh, check that out and uh, thank you again for coming on the show and hopefully we'll catch you all in the next episode. Peace.